Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Oh, baby, we got ourselves a series. Kyle Brickman, welcome to the show. I'm your host, Aiden Moss. We, uh, despite a Freddie Van Vliet hip injury, a Scotty retweak of the ankle, um, what else happened that was destined us to get swept? Despite all of it, we pulled out. Oh, I know. We shot an abysmal, like, 20% from three. Despite all of that, we uh, we deadened the Philadelphia 76er offense and pulled – pulled it within another game of getting sending this to a game seven yeah it's i'm 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 ecstatic i'm thrilled uh, i think there is actually a lot they can take away from this game um going forward too i don't think this is a one-off like it'd be one thing if it was like oh the raptors shot 80 percent from three and they 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 snuck out a win they're gonna go lose in philly i actually think there's a there's there's something to be found here yeah i mean we always knew that the, or we hoped that the the shooting variation would kind of fall back to the ground. And in the last two games, that's kind of been the case, particularly tonight. Danny Green missed a ton of corner threes. Tyrese Maxey was four for 12. Harden was five for 17. Like, you know, sometimes I there's a lot to be said for our defensive adjustments, and we can talk about that. But sometimes, you know, once a team just stops hitting, like the the the, the tangibles of our of a defensive scheme really kind of come to light, and that happened tonight when uh, those those shots aren't falling. Oh, who we got here? Yeah, I was gonna say, should we bring him in? I didn't even know he was coming in. Throw him he's, in he's here. rubbing his hands. Saha, my man, welcome to the podcast, video Thanks, cast, man. whatever. Appreciate you. Um, Doc Rivers is down three one again, so I'm excited. Let's get Uh-oh. this show on the road. That's what I, I actually wanted to say that earlier. It's like if there's ever a coach that's going to blow a three-zero league, like lead, he's got to be the betting favorite, right? Like if you had to bet in any coach in the NBA to blow a three-nothing series lead, it's got to be Doc. So he's done it three times. Yeah, I, I done three-one. I'm gonna say Orlando Magic 2003, 2015 Clippers with that. Was that the one against the Houston Rockets where uh, James Harden goes to the bench and puts a towel Josh over his Smith, head, and baby. Josh Smith and Corey Brewer save the day. Uh, and then 2020 Los Angeles Clippers in the bubble. as well, and that was the Denver Nuggets, I believe, the yeah. the Jokic series. So he's done it before. I don't like playing into those kind of narratives because it's all really kind of random, really. If you think about it, like you can't say like there's so much that goes into these series. You can't say that like he's just had you know he has that much of an impact on the losing. But but either way. I, I do think that there is a narrative here, a larger one at play, where the Toronto Raptors have the grit and the edge to push this game to to the limits. And I think Billy has the psychological fallibilities to let this one kind of get get murky and troubling for them. 
Yeah, guys, I was watching the game, and um, this is, I think, the only game that I've fully watched. Because I know game one, no, game one I fully watched. So this game I was watching fully through, and I'll, I'll tell you one thing. I've never been so happy and glad to see um, Joel Embiid get his fair share of non-calls in the paint. Um, the last one where he fell to the floor... Uh, where Precious uh, contested him from behind. At the time, I was thinking, okay, you got to give Joel that foul. When they showed the replay, I realized there was absolutely no contact, and Joel just crumbled and collapsed to the ground um, and then managed to give... Uh, I forgot which referee it was. It was the head referee. Um, managed to give him a nice talking to on his way back down the court, and he didn't get teched up for it, which was kind of shocking because like, I, I saw a couple uh, expletives in, in that... Um, to Embiid's credit, he does a lot of talking to the officials, but it's usually they seem to be like chit chatting. He's kind of like always bugging them. He never like it seems like he very rarely yells in an official's face. Like you see, Draymond Green yeah. will like yell and like spit in a referee's face. Like he'll be like right up in his like basically, basically like you know nose to nose. So, uh, Draymond gets away with crazy stuff. I think I'll Embiid's... split the difference here because I think the refs called some really quick trigger texts on us, namely mm-hmm. the the Freddie one. Um, and then, and then Embiid, and then I have seen clips where Embiid's like talking. He's like, "Oh, oh, okay." And I, I dig that. But then he has other ones where he's incessantly yelling and whining, and they don't give him anything. So, I think it's kind of both. Um, yeah, today it was twenty-six to twenty in fouls for uh, the the Philly had twenty-six fouls and um, Toronto had twenty. In the other games, it was. Uh, 24 to 18, Toronto had more fouls. And I'm um, just trying to pull up the other one. Um, 26 to 18 as well. So we this is the first game where we've not, and I don't know, I don't have the third game on me, but this is this is the first game, I believe, where we we've not led in fouls in the game. And you can this, see the, the the impact it has defensively. Yeah, this is also the first game where we led in free throw attempts, which is nice to see. 35 free throw attempts uh, to Philadelphia. And Philadelphia still shot 25, so it's not like they weren't getting to the line. Um, Philadelphia fans, yeah, I mean, they're they obviously they still have the upper hand. I was kind of fighting off some people in my Twitter mentions today that were uh, mentioning how uh, Raptors fans are not allowed to boo Joel Embiid at their home court, which is absolutely insane. Um, I didn't really understand it, and 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 a lot of people were alluding to the fact that they were booing him because he was injured, which I didn't understand either. I mean, probably half the fans in the stadium didn't even know Joel Embiid has a right thumb injury, so I don't I don't know where that's where that was heading. Um, but I mean, it's it's just I guess just desperate uh, lunges from from Philly. You, fans. you can't cheer and, when and, a guy gets injured. You can't boo when a guy gets injured. What, what, what am I yeah. in the game for? Just to sh- Yo, sit down and Phil- shut up? Come on. When Scotty yeah. hurt his ankle, they played hit the road, Jack. And I know that was because Gary also simultaneously <laughs> fouled out, but like that was so distasteful. Yeah, um, and you look at the game as a whole. I mean, we're gonna probably get into players soon, and we'll we're likely start with the best player, the man who played 44 minutes, which was by far the most um, on the Raptors. Um, but before we do, guys, uh, I want to focus on what Philadelphia struggled with in this game uh, specifically, and that was getting the ball to the basket. Um, I know this sounds weird, guys, but Fred leaving the game with that hip strain, uh, it just seemed like 
since that moment um, occurred for the Raptors, which seemed like a, I mean, I was like, oh, goodness, if Fred's out, then where's our shot creation going to really come from? Um, are we going to be able to stretch the floor properly, right? Because, uh, Kyle, you mentioned that all season long. Fred is, is is one of the guys who's on the team where he can stretch the floor probably better than any other Raptor um, on his on his night, right? So when he left, I was kind of worried. But guess what, guys? The 6-9, the all 6-9 lineup worked today. Um, they had Thad Young out there, Pascal, Chris Boucher, Precious Atrua. Um, who's the last guy I'm missing, guys? Uh, I know, I know. <laughs> Do you want to ask Aiden? Aiden, I'm sure knows. Oh, OG Ananobi? Is that did I say that? What are we talking about? Thad, Thad OG, wait, Pascal, Thad Precious, and Chris Boucher. Yes. So that lineup to me won the Raptors the game, and they stuck with it all the way to the end. Thaddeus Young. Good they, had Gary. they had Gary instead of um well they, 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 checked, they checked Gary in after the Sixers went zone. They had one possession with Chris Boucher uh in with that lineup uh, and the Sixers went zone. They did one possession with that, and the Raptors were like, We can't handle this. This is we're not gonna do this all over again. Let's get Gary in the game. We need some shooting, which I thought was the right move. Like that because of the lineup you just mentioned was rolling, they were doing very well. That yeah, I, I thought it was it was a if we're gonna criticize nurse a lot which we have during the course of the series we got to like give him his praise when he deserves it and i thought it was a good move to to go to gary like you know break up the flow of that lineup and go to gary you know the length bothered uh tyrese maxi quite a bit as well we haven't talked about tyrese maxi who um has clearly been one of the best players in this entire playoff series for like for both teams um the length really bothered him yeah in the playoffs period so um that lineup was something that I love. Chris Boucher's rim protection today was incredible. Thad Young's playmaking was incredible. Um, yeah, well, you can see the tweet beside us uh, right now. And for our listeners, our podcast listeners, uh, William Liu tweeted, rotation for the second half was Pascal, OG, Gary, Precious, Scotty, with Thad and Boucher off the bench. Keep it like that. The length really bothered the Sixers. Guys, do you think, you know, before we look forward, obviously, to game five in Philadelphia, do you think that maybe losing Fred um, isn't going to be as big as a blow that maybe we would have imagined? Yeah, that's to me, that's topic number one. And you brought it up is like we we got better when Freddie left. And, you know, I defended Freddie last game because I think there's a lot he does that helps his team. But it's become very evident that he can't really keep anybody in front of him. Like even Harden got by him a couple of times. He's not getting lift on his shot. And I thought Freddie had a decent first half. Like he 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 went back to that dis, distrib, distributional Freddie, which I really like. I think yeah. when he plays pure point guard, he's very effective because he can do the same kind of things that Lowry does. Where even though he lacks explosiveness, he can find space and then find the right guy. Um, that being said, defensively, like Freddie removed from this lineup creates five guys who are like frenetic, long, athletic, um, aren't intimidated by facing and beat. Even Gary's like, okay, like bring me a beat. I don't care. Um, and can kind of like rough him up a little bit. And yeah, it gave Harden doesn't like that length. Neither does, um, d- neither does Maxi. And frankly, neither does a bead when, when there's two, two sets of arms kind of like getting in his face. So I think, yeah, I, yeah, I think it benefited them greatly. I was going to say, I don't even know if it's like an on-ball defense thing that Fred was getting blown by. I think it's, if anything, they're just able to help and rotate so much more effectively when you have like five guys who are 6'9 instead of four guys who are 6'9 plus yeah. a dude who's five foot something. Like the the help at the rim was awesome. 
they rotated so well. It, like, I, I, it's just this is tough because I mean, I, we all love Freddie, but I think if Will lose willing to go there, who who has interviewed Fred before, basically saying like, this is a rotation that we won the game with. No Fred, let's stick with that. If he's willing to go there, I think we ought to be willing to go there too. Which is like, it's it's that's the truth. This team has played better without Fred on the floor. This is the best basketball they played all series was without Fred. Yeah, yeah for sure. Yeah. yeah. I, I think his on-ball defense is not very good right now either. No, no, I, I'm I'm I don't think it's very good at all either. I just my thing is I, I it's more about the general team defense is so much better without Fred, which is actually even more of a a knock against him because he he should be in theory a good team defender. Yeah. yeah, and that's and I think that's what it comes down to when Kyle you you hit it right on the head with the closeouts because Fred closing out. I'm I'm sorry, and I don't want to pick on Fred because he is dealing with his own injury. You guys saw him rip the jersey uh, as he was exiting the floor. He is frustrated. His his, uh, his wife and his brother were there watching courtside as well. They're frustrated. So obviously we're sad for Freddie. But the fact of the matter is, the Raptors looked a lot more in sync when Freddie was gone defensively. And when you have, like Kyle said, a five eleven six foot guy closing out on you, uh, compared to Chris Boucher right with that wingspan or precious achua with that height and wingspan it's different it's a lot more different i think it, it we have to mention this because the raptors entire defensive system the foundation of it against philadelphia has been um you know if you're gonna double the rotations have to be very crisp and that last guy who you know philadelphia kept doing that thing where they kicked it out joel Embiid, and sometimes joel Embiid was getting frustrated instead of kicking it to the man right beside him and then swing 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 it was just going cross court, and sometimes that would, you know, end up in an out of bounds turnover pass. Um, but you know, most of the time when it was a, you know, a few swings into those uh, possessions, it got to that last guy, and it's Chris Boucher closing out, or it's Precious, or it's Dad Young, and a lot of times those are misses. And also, I really want to say, you know, because I, of course I got to get a little bit of slander in there. Thank you to Danny Green, the one of the most loyal Toronto Raptors, um, I think, in recent memory. Uh, Danny Green, a true Toronto soldier, a mercenary for the cause. We appreciate you, Danny Green, more than anything. Um, Nick Nurse has cojones, guys, because he left Danny Green wide open in the corner. Um, how many times, guys? 10, 15 times in this game? And and Danny got to the point where uh, I remember he missed a corner three. He got down the floor and he started you know, settling at the at the elbow instead. I think that's just a mental thing when you can – force a guy to just move from a spot where he's missed over and over and over again. Um, Danny didn't even really want to shoot it at the end of the game there. And then you see um, there the highlight. I think probably the highlight of the night, that in and out crossover on from Precious to Danny was just uh, – did you guys, by the way, I don't want to pick on Danny here, but did you guys see Danny running up and down the court? I mean, Dude, that guy I, has to have fibromyalgia, arthritis. Something's <laughs> going on with, with Danny. I don't know. Two, two things. I think he hurt his back. It looked like he had like a brace oh. on or something. So there might have been that. But I want I did want to bring that up. Like it is understated how weirdly and slowly that dude moves for being an elite athlete. Like his wrists are like this, and he like his feet like go like this while he's running, and he kind of like he's like on an elliptical going down the floor. Yeah. And it's like, how does this dude even like move in any sort of athletic way? It's very funny to watch. Yeah, he's also like the least convincing finisher around the rim I've ever seen. I, anytime he goes like, a, you know, he's pulling up for a shot, like or a layup around the rim. It's like I'm so unworried, I'm so unbothered by a Danny Green like layup attempt. 
I don't know. I, we, I still love the guy though. He got he. I mean, he got a he got us a ring, and then he got us tattooed on him, and then left. Got another ring. I kind of feel like legendary about, about Gary though. Like when Gary gets to that rim, dude, it's like I'm I'm legitimately surprised if it goes in. Yeah, absolutely. So uh, we should uh, should we again. get to Pascal? Like we should yeah. probably get to Pascal. I mean, the first yeah, good sure. Pascal game of the series. This is um, probably needed big time for his reputation i think around the league especially amongst raptor fans this was a necessary game we'll see what happens back in philadelphia but in general tonight tremendous got to the line it, it felt like he was getting downhill more whether that be i think a lot of his work was done what with paul reed on the floor which is makes a lot of sense we were talking i think either last time or the time before you gotta you gotta make sure that pascal's out there when a beat isn't because his whole game is predicated to you know on getting downhill and he couldn't do so against a beat but then you know, he apparently could do it against Embiid tonight. So who, who knows? Like, he was doing it against anyone. What did you guys think? Aiden, do you want to give your thoughts? Because I have quite a lot to say about Pascal. You do it, man. Pascal, this is a game, uh, going into this game, everyone, the talking point, you know, that surrounded Raptors fans, media, was Pascal had to come back to his senses. He had to play at an all-NBA level. Um, I spoke to Will Lou yesterday on his show, and I was watching it actually before I, I made an appearance. And he was talking nonstop about Pascal, you know, being the key to this game. If we can get an all NBA level Pascal, the Pascal that we got in March rather than the Pascal we've been getting in April, um, I think, you know, this game's going to look totally different. And 34 points, guys, 15 free throws attempted, and he made 13 of them. The only two he missed, if you guys remember, was the uh, three point foul. I forgot who fouled him on the perimeter. Um, he missed two out of the three. He had every single free throw other than those yeah, those true. two. So, I mean, the tough shot making, the 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 fearlessness, the the creative ability to uh, to get into the to to the paint. His footwork, Pascal's footwork, is incredible in that mid range area. Uh, you could see here he's just you know Paul Reed. I mean, that's that's Paul Reed's daddy tonight. So, um, I just Aiden. I don't know if you saw something different, but I saw Pascal that might have wrapped up that all NBA third team performance, even though I know that's a regular season award, but I think, you know, most NBA fans were watching this game and they, they saw the Pascal that we've been witnessing for the last uh, two, three months now. Yeah. I mean, Kyle and I talked about this last game is like Toronto just weirdly goes away from what works sometimes. And I think, I think part of that last game or last couple of games is maybe maybe exhaustion a little bit. Like Pascal looked a lot more springier today for whatever reason, and that might have been with Scotty and Thad kind of carrying the like ball handling load a little bit. I think part of it is Freddie going away. You know, it's like you know, Freddie is a leader on this team, but Pascal is the the skilled leader on this team, and I think like having him is the, the de facto number one at all times. Like. Um, helped him kind of like just go and get his obviously he said at the beginning or after last game that like he needs to be more aggressive and he needs to go get his and so i he definitely came into this game with that decided um mindset but i i just really think that that toronto did a much better job of hunting you know it's like give me george yang um you know give me tobias harris doesn't matter let me go to work and um and yeah, you saw the you saw the and he was getting to the rim more. I think you know, yeah. like fifteen free throw attempts is that's a the lot. big thing. Uh, I, I don't, I'd be curious. That might be even his season high. 
Niang um, took like the most frustrated sixth foul I think I've ever seen in NBA. Like I've ever seen in the NBA. He just like basically like threw his hands up, like pushed a dude, walked off the court. Like it's like he was in hell. The exact same thing. I said it looks like a drunkard like trying to hug a stranger. He's just like, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, like, yeah. yeah. I will give Niang credit for one thing, guys. He can shoot. That that oh, guy, he can shoot the hell out of the basketball. Like I'm, I I tweeted. I don't. I feel like it just has. He hasn't missed all series long, and and that's why Doc Rivers keeps him in the game. Um, they struggle sometimes with those Philadelphia lineups to stretch the floor against the Raptors, and that's why you see guys like, uh, you know, Georges Niang, uh, shout out Iowa State. Uh, one I had a random dude. I was reply to me. Who, yeah, I had a random reply to me who. who like I forgot who it was. They they tweeted a Iowa State Cyclones gif, and I was like, oh, he's from Iowa State. That's nice. Um, but yeah, Niang and Danny Green are in the in the game for a reason. But guess what? When they're in the game, it may be a positive for Philadelphia offensively, but defensively, I mean, the Raptors were hunting Niang and Danny Green for that matter. Um, and I feel like they maybe should have done it even more than they were. Totally. Um, but we have That's a tweet what... here from Scott. Let me just, let me just uh, read this really quickly. Oh, okay. Tweet's gone. Okay. No, it's back. it's back. Doc Rivers says, with all the injuries, the series could come down to him going one-on-one with Nick Nurse. He says he likes his chances in that matchup. Bulletin board material. Nice. Nurse is definitely, like, uh, gets too lazy to, to try to drive the ball to the hoop after, like, six possessions and starts chucking threes. That would be my <laughs> interpretation of Nick Nurse playing yeah. one-on-one. The, so that was a uh, season high for... Pascal and free throw attempts. And and I think you're right, Sahal. Like, they just need to – we, we said it about the pick and roll. We got, we said it again here. Like, they've got to spam those plays. Like, when Gary or Freddie walk up and jack a three, three seconds into the shot clock, like, I understand that that's part of probably a larger strategy that the Raptors have devised, namely because of offensive rebounding. That doesn't work anymore. Like, I like slowing down the possession game. I like methodically – we got to beat up the 76ers on the defensive end. Like, and Bead looked a little bit more tired. Part of that was frustration, but he just looked tired. Harden's got to get hit. Maxi's got to get hit. And let's just throw Thad screens. Let's throw pressure screens. Like, let's just keep spamming that with pressure or with Pascal as the ball handler. And even if we don't get a score out of it, um, I think that wear and tear is really going to benefit us further down the game, down the line yeah. in the game. My frustration oftentimes is that I feel like they try to get into early offense way too often and then nothing comes of it. And all of a sudden you're like, you're looking up the shot clock. If there's only, you know, 12 seconds left and you can't hunt, you can't be like deliberate and, and try yes. to find a matchup. So instead of trying to get into the early offense, take like 12 seconds of the shot clock um, on a, on a suboptimal possession because you were in a half, like a transition opportunity or semi-transition opportunity, like, they need someone out there who's going to settle things down and, and get them into sets. Unfortunately, Fred just clearly isn't that guy. Hasn't really ever been that guy because he's he's just not the true point guard type. That's not to say he's a bad player. He's just not the true point guard type. I mean, there are a few guys out there who are. But I think Pascal has the potential to do that. I think actually Scotty has the potential to do that a lot. He was doing a lot of directing traffic tonight when he yep. was playing earlier, which I love. Like I, He seems like one of the few players in this yeah. team who has like a true playmaking instinct. Him, uh, Banton to a certain extent. Flynn to a certain extent, Thad Young. I'll throw him in there just because he had a great night tonight, and I don't want to fight about it. Um, but yeah, sometimes they just need a guy out there who's going to be like deliberate enough to ensure that they get into sets. Yeah, I think I think that's what it comes down to as well. Um, some other Raptors that played really well 
Uh, we're what, almost 25 minutes in, and we've spoke about Pascal. We spoke about the overall game, but I do think there are some other Raptors who played well as well. Gary Trent Jr. had some timely shots. Uh, we talked about the bench, Eight each and every one of them. Yeah, we talked about the bench, each and every one of them. Thad Young, Chris Boucher, and Precious Achua played key roles in this game. Um, OG Ananobi didn't shoot all that well, guys, but I think his defensive effort was there, definitely, uh, near the end. Things started getting a little chippy. Um, I see, I've already seen people in our live comment section mention how you know OG shouldn't have got that technical foul. But I feel like <clears throat> it's one of those things, Kyle, in, in when we watch football games, it's one of those things where the first yeah. guy to push the guy's helmet he never gets called for for that, you know, for that unsportsmanlike. It's the second guy who always retaliates. Same thing in basketball. Um, if you are a long-term Raptors fan, you guys remember the Mo Pete Vince Carter incident, um, where Mo Pete kind of retaliated, and the referee, playfully. Um, yeah, playfully, exactly, and they're friends. So uh, the referee teched up Mo Pete instead of Vince Carter. Even Vince Carter was like, "What the hell are you doing?" Um, we were just joking around, but I mean, it happens. Yeah. Yeah. Also, like, let we gotta be realistic. Like, whether it's uh, soccer, like European football, American football, basketball. Like, when a guy's on that second technical foul or, or whatever the equivalent is, card, it's like you, you get yeah, you get some leeway. Like, you you, you know, yeah, you got some room because the referee knows that he's gonna have to toss you if he calls that second tech. Like, I think if Embiid hadn't had a first tech, there those two are getting double teed up. And you like split it up, and that's the 100%. way the ref deals with it. But you couldn't kick a and beat out like the star player with ten minutes or whatever be, two minutes left in a ten point game. Should have been a non call. OG was stupid yeah. for doing that last push. Like, um, yeah. but he his arm away. You don't. But, you don't have to do the rest. You know. But you do. Refs always factor in historical historical stuff, and like Embiid kept fishing for the shit all day, all game long. Right, like. That's what's kind of that. Oh, that's why OG should know better, but that's why the ref should know better too. Um, I man, we don't need to talk about this right now, but like, I don't care whether the refs are in our favor or not, although they let a lot more go. But just generally, NBA playoffs like the NBA needs to sit down with a bunch of like ethicists and like other philosophers and think about the, the foul calling and referee purpose philosophically like it's almost like the referee lobby has adam silver's ear and they're like yo you need us you can't let us go like your economy is going to fall to shit because they influence these games to such a dramatic degree that it's like incredibly frustrating and players know that if they bitch about it more than the other guy bitching about it they're just going to inevitably get more calls because that's how our subconscious psyche works and like the the NBA really needs to audit refereeing as a whole and figure this shit out. Well, we're talking about the league who had active referees like gambling on games, yeah. some of which who were like, if you couldn't, if if you couldn't get directly proven for it, dudes who are you know still in the league today who weren't directly correlated to the Donny thing, still refing, still placing calls. So whatever, we don't have to get all into that, but like this is this is like a toxic part of the NBA that is really not talked about, and it's not unprecedented. There's max match fixing scandals in soccer all the time in big leagues in Italy, and, and like so, it wouldn't shock me if there's weird some real shady stuff going on in basketball but that's a big digression we should talk about the game going back to, <laughs> going back to the players guys i really want to focus on dad young okay yeah, 13 points um i mean five rebounds i believe five assists three steals a block he was a plus 14 shot six for nine super Eight efficient five. like if, you, if if you're talking about a guy a, a rotation guy that you're relying on uh, and he puts up 13 5 5 3 1 on efficient shooting. And he's playing late in the game and he's making key passes late in the game. Like, if you, 
uh, that three that he made on the elbow, this this uh, drive to the rim that our live watchers are are seeing, um, that young was crucial to what the Raptors were doing. And I was a little bit worried, guys, because when Fred left the game, you know, Fred's not an incredible playmaker, but he's as good as it gets for the Raptors, him and Pascal. So um, when he left, I was kind of wondering, will this kind of become an ISO game where Pascal and OG are just throwing everything up and the ball's not really moving? That wasn't the case. I mean, they were using uh, Thaddeus Young as, a, as one of the primary initiators when he was in. Um, that one bounce pass he had, goodness gracious, I believe it was to Chris Boucher for the finish. Yeah. I was like, wow. Um, what did you guys think about that and what you saw from that game? This was like, I, was, I wasn't I was surprised by Thad's ability to do it. I was surprised that suddenly it appeared. That stat line and how he did it is quintessential Thaddeus Young to the utmost degree. Like, it's, it's, not, it's not exactly pretty, but it's also like, damn. And, you know, it's everywhere he's getting hands on – on the basketball, he's like, there was a there was a time in the second quarter where he was responsible for like five buckets in a row or something. He has great court vision, um, and when his when his little weird floaters and odd angle layups and stuff are going in, he's like a legitimate threat. And I've said at the beginning of the series, like, try Birch out on Embiid. He's done a pretty good job. But Thad's your answer to guard Embiid. Uh, Embiid is the traditional five because. He's so strong and laterally quick on the switches. And at the same time, he can hurt Philly on the offensive end, as you see here, hitting a baseline three-point shot on a driving kick. Yeah, I think a, a, an underrated part about basketball in general is, like, you need to be rewarded for your actions. So, like, when, when you're playing with a guy who's going to reward you as a cutter, you're going to cut more often. You're going to cut with intensity. You're going to cut with purpose. If you play with a guy who's, like, going to reward you in transition, uh, like, by passing you the ball, you're going to you're gonna fill the lanes with more intensity, et cetera. Like, the, the, that just brings something. He's just, like, he's willing to, to pass the ball. He's willing to move the ball. He's willing to screen. He's willing to crash the offensive glass if that's what he's he's asked. And I was critical of that young move, and I think I, I'm almost at the point where, like, I have to just throw my hands up and admit, like, maybe winning a playoff game is worth, like, the 10 picks, whatever. We'll see. We'll see. Guys, Joel Embiid, 7 for 16. Oh. James Harden, 5 for 17. Tyrese Maxey, 4 for 12. Um Danny Green, obviously, two for 10. But um, those three players, those three key guys for Philly, uh, Philly has shown, because, guys, this wasn't a blowout. Let's let's be honest. It was a very good win for Toronto. Uh, it was convincing near the end. They got to bring some of their bench in. Delano Banton with a nice little and one, his first ever playoff basket. But this wasn't necessarily a, a dominant game from Toronto. I mean, if there was a dominant game that they were controlling in terms of the pace of the game, it was probably the last game. Um, it wasn't this one, but uh, nonetheless, great game. However, Philadelphia has proved that with their top three guys shooting poorly or shooting under 50%, they can still keep the game close. Um, Tobias Harris has been the unsung hero for Philadelphia in this series. Um, a lot of the focus obviously has been on Maxi and Embiid, um, but Tobias Harris defensively, I mean, he's been great. Um uh, not maybe so great today because he really took the Pascal one-on-ones to heart and Pascal made him pay for it. But um, he's been really good. I mean, I have to give some Philadelphia 76ers players their credit. Um, but guys, in this game and and looking on to the next one, shooting under 50% for those three stars doesn't guarantee the Raptors a win. Um, 
Aiden, what do you think is probably the biggest key um, looking into the next game for the Raptors? Because it's it's I don't think it's as easy as just saying you got to stop the main three guys because these guys have four guys that could probably put up 20 to 30 on any given night. So uh, what do you think is the key? Do you think um, I mean, if Fred's out, we're assuming uh, for for Monday night's game, game five in Philadelphia, if he's out, you would assume that they're going to go with that all six, nine lineup quite often. Um, and do you think maybe they're going to have the same success? What do you think they should maybe change, adjust, do the same? What do you think? Well, I, I think, first of all, shout out to Tobias Harris. I said prior to the series, like if he if he suddenly finds his confidence, we're in big trouble. And he, I think like he was really the only guy that uh, tonight that really kind of played with like a sense of like focus, I suppose. He was uh, 15 and 11, like good game by him. I Samson Folk did a video on this yesterday, so go check it out on, um, on Twitter. But uh, Kyle and I talked about this, like the Raptors made a decision to not help early on the 76 or main guys, Embiid and Harden. And you saw two plays with the difference. Like Embiid had the ball kind of deep on the side of the three-point line, and we doubled. But then we had another time where he was closer to central of the court, and we doubled. Or sorry, he turned the ball over. And then on the second time, we doubled and he easily kicked the ball out. So And they hit a shot. So we're being more selective on when to double and who. Uh, I think letting Harden try and cook by himself is fine, especially now with with probably Freddie not playing. Like, he's like Harden's not going to get by our guys that often. And, I, and because he lacks explosiveness in the lane, like a late help, is much better than an early one because an early one enables him to to find the open guy have more core vision when it's late and in the key he's already buried and he's gonna gonna struggle and same thing with Embiid like I think I think when the helps come early he's able to face up and you know find that corner pass whereas when he's deeper it's a lot more difficult um to get those passes out and so I think I think that's an adjustment we'll stay stay with like focus more on Maxi as a score and let Harden and Embiid make those decisions later in the shot clock or later in the possession when they're already kind of have their head down and they're, they're flummoxed more. Yeah. Uh, I think, uh, first of all, I agree with whatever, everything you said. Um, I think it's also worth noting that like, okay, although Maxi Harden and Embiid didn't have their best games, the Sixers still shot 42% from three. It's not like they had a terrible shooting. Night. They shot like 20 points higher than the Raptors did from, from three uh, or this afternoon, I should say, instead of tonight, like this isn't a fluky win by any means. And it it actually means that a lot of what we're coming out of this uh, win with like, you know, content wise is like stuff that can actually uh, be translated into a win in Philadelphia. Uh, And part of that again is that they've, they seem to have at least tonight, I don't know if it's a figured out or I don't know if it's uh, maybe they just have the right personnel to play the defense that they want to against Embiid with the length and and no Freddie, but it was working. It was working really well. Um, And uh, we'll have to see what happens in Philadelphia. Maybe the whistle will be different because the whistle could just completely alters games as we were talking about earlier, It just completely alters games. But uh, as of right now, I, I actually think that the Raptors have a decent chance in Philadelphia. And if you think they have a decent chance as well, uh, we've got a link. For, do I have a link for you? If I could just find it here in the banners. Um, if you guys want to check out the description, 
uh, we are brought to you by Scorebet. It's everywhere. It's a, like we, you know, you probably saw some ads tonight uh, or the, again this afternoon. Definitely. Or if in Aiden's case, this morning, did the game begin? I guess the game begun for you in the I'm morning. Here, baby. Some morning basketball here on this. the West Coast. Either way, um, you guys, check out the link in the description. Tell them we sent you. I'm not going to give you any betting advice because I've actually been, I think I'm like, oh, for four lifetimes. So maybe I'll give you guys some advice and you could bet the exact opposite. Is that how we should do this? That's uh, basically no, how I'm going to just hold off. I'm just going to hold off. <laughs> but check out the link in the description. Uh, Aiden, Aiden will let you know like what he likes uh, in a, probably in a preview, probably in a game preview at towards the bottom. Am I, am I right or am I wrong? Uh, I I do have I, my betting's been pretty hot this series. Although betting all the Raptor combinations to win this series isn't looking that great. Um, when you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over thirty thousand mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over six hundred dollars each week. You can also save up to one dollar off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Talking about commercials quickly, I friggin' hate most of the commercials that are on TV on the Canadian feed. But the well simple crypto commercial is absolutely it is. It I is will say it is it's smart. It is, it smart. is funny, it is thoughtful, it is like perfectly analogous to you know how people are naysayers to innovative technology. And I just bravo to them for that commercial. It's very uh, seldom you get good quality like that. Aiden being a crypto bro is like a weird turn. I did not expect that from you. This is like a I, heel turn almost from you. I'm not uh, a I'm not a big crypto. I you know let it. I don't have any way to I'm anti crypto with the exception of raps. <laughs> Specifically raps. I bought some Top Shot shit. That was a waste yeah, of time. Yeah, that was a yeah a waste of time for me. Although again, if Reggie Jackson ever like wins an MVP or something, I think I'm, I'm <laughs> yeah. I think I could retire early. Um, tax okay. man, tax man. You want to go to tax man? Go okay, I'm, I'm happy to do tax man. Let's do it. And we know who it is. This, this is probably one of the easier tax men's I think of the entire season. Oh, really? I, well, I mean, as okay. as the underdog tax guy, I'm, I'll let you go and I'll I'll throw in mine. Okay. Um, I was gonna say it's Pascal Siakam, um, just simply wow. because we needed uh, 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 January, February, and March Pascal rather than the April Pascal. Um, and I think it's just everything we saw. We mentioned him earlier um, in the show, but everything we've seen from him in terms of a playmaking perspective, a scoring perspective, his ability to get other guys involved, uh, draw the double, kick, trust his guys. Um, he has been incredible. I, like I said, I mentioned his footwork because his footwork is something that I think is not even underrated at this point. I think it's one of the best in the league. Um, people joke and they, you know, they make these little... Uh, you know, fun jokes or whatever it is about his spins and all this stuff. And uh, was it Miles Bridges who like had like a a, a a rap with, and he mentioned something about it, Pascal Siakam's spin. I don't know what it was, but I think some of you guys know what I'm talking about. Um, I think people do not give him credit for his footwork. He's always going up, up against bigger guys, stronger guys. Um, and uh, he can show strength. He's a finesse guy. He can do everything. Pascal on his day, 
truthfully does not look like he has very many flaws uh, defensively or offensively. So I'm going to go with Pascal as the tax man. But yeah, Aiden, I mean, that's I'm the right choice. You. you know, I mean, no, if no, we're choosing I, MVP of the game, then we're choosing Pascal Siakam. But for me, yeah. it's daddy, daddy. I mean, he gave us that, <laughs> that spark off the bench that we all needed or that yeah. this team desperately needed, particularly with Scotty tweaking his ankle again. Um, he kept things rolling for us. He greased the wheels on our offense. He played excellent defense. He closed the game out. It was that veteran leadership and grit and strength that this team desperately needed, that Goran Dragic long ago may have provided us. And um, I'm happy to say that the, that Thad Young coming to the Toronto Raptors was a blessing, and I always uh, spoke highly of it, and I think tonight demonstrated his value, even though he's demonstrated it multiple times uh, since coming to Toronto, this was the fad game um, that that kept us alive. So my tax man would be Thaddeus Young. Yeah, I, I think I'm, 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 totally I'm with you. I'm with you. I, you got to reward these types of performances. And while we're talking about rap lyrics, like he, you, he, there surely is a Thad Young lyric out there. All the left-handed guys have lyrics. <laughs> For the, the Moji, there's like a, the Moji Ginobili lyric. I'm sure Harden has like. Uh, uh, some lyrics out there. Like, there's got to be like a Thad Young lyric out there somewhere. So that was, uh, we're going to have co tax men, men tonight, tax men of the night, just because there we, we can do that. We, we make our own rules. That's, it's like the NBA and their lack of criteria for all of the uh, awards with, uh, for media to follow. We can just create whatever criteria we want by not having any at all. Congratulations to Pascal Thaddeus Young. For the Can-Am Tax Men of the Night, that's brought to you by canamtax.com. Our boy, VJ Verma, will help you out with all your personal and business tax needs. Go check out their site. Tell them Raptors Republic sent you. Tell them Aiden still hasn't done his taxes and might need some help in a week. Um, yeah, that's Can-Am Tax. www.canamtax.com. 416-243-2912. VJ Verma and uh, Can-Am Tax family. Yes. Okay, there's sunshine outside here in, in Victoria. So nice. I suggest we get to questions and then we all go enjoy our Saturday evenings. How about that? All right. We got some live questions that we're going to pull up. Um, we know our producer Don is skimming through quite quickly. I think Kyle is as well because this is like his favorite time um, usually of our show. It gives him a chance uh, to bark back at the audience. I was I exactly. was texting I was texting jokes in the private chat. I'm sorry. Oh, <laughs> Go ahead and look through the comments. <laughs> Let's get Phil Evans to ask us a legitimate question. Yeah, Phil Evans. Uh, I this is there's sort of like a, I did want to mention this. Yeah, you know, like when Bambi. I don't I actually even think I've ever really seen it. I wasn't like a, but I know that the analogy, which is like Bambi on ice or whatever. Like when he's like flying around everywhere band like couldn't stand and i don't know he slipped like four or five times i don't know what maybe they're like greasing up his shoes or something but like it's he was like flying all over the place did um, you guys notice that yeah oh yeah he collapsed no, twice like immediately i was like what's going on i don't i don't know if the floor was slippery i don't know what was happening with delano but like i said he got an and one which was nice so don uh choose a question for us my friend Phoenix74757 asks, you guys have any predictions for Game 5 back in Philly? Hard hitter first. Uh, um, I mean, people would get angry with us, I think, if we said we didn't predict the win, uh, just coming off the current momentum. Why, because why are we going to win? 
because I think you're coming off of two very good games that the Raptors played, one of them being a loss in game three, but game four, it seems like as this series is going along, the Raptors are almost figuring out what Philadelphia's uh, trying to do uh, to win each possession, uh, both offensively and defensively. So, and that's that's a key, I think, with Nick Nurse rather than having Doc Rivers as your coach. I think Nick Nurse almost gets better as the series get, goes along. If you guys remember in 2019 when the Raptors were down 2-0 to the Bucks, the adjustments that Nick Nurse made, the adjustments that the players made and executed on the court. Because I always want to mention that. You know, sometimes we give Nick Nurse a little bit too much credit, but the players have to execute as well. Um, you know, Nick Nurse gets better as the series goes along. So it's going to be tough. It's going to be a rabid environment. People know Philadelphia is a city whether it's it's the 76ers it's the eagles it doesn't matter what sports team it is they have a, probably one of the most passionate fan bases in sports so um it's going to be a lot of yelling um it's going to be a lot of outside noise for the raptors to deal with but um i am going to go with uh you know the raptors winning and you guys you guys see it i mean i can highlight my name but I, but i can't obviously when we have the comment highlighted but you guys saw my name is doc rivers is is it's 3-1. So, I mean, this is Doc Rivers' territory. I love it. He's down 3-1 again. And um, I'm going to go uh, Raptors win and uh, make this a 3-2 series heading back to Toronto. Kyle, what – what? let me specify the prediction. Like, what is – what do you think is going to – like, is it going to be what we saw tonight? Or do you think there's another – something else that's going to spark the, the win? You're just assuming that I would predict a win. I'm for, I guess I will. For the sake of conversation, I guess I will. Um, I, I think to me, there, we're kind of waiting on like uh, a Gary Trent Jr. just like take over the game, you know, crazy like he had in Phoenix or something. And, and to me, I think it's a good candidate. Game five, Fred's kind of stepping aside. Gary, uh, the, I guess my wild prediction is that Gary starts cooking early and they just they win by like 10 points. And, and Scotty, it will be one game healthier, presumably. Well, I don't know. Depending on how the angle is looking, Um, but I'm going to assume that Scotty will be one game healthier. And and, uh, what? Why do you think they kept playing Scotty, even like despite him obviously being in pain and less mobile than than he was? Because he the the impact he has, especially on the glass, is crazy. That it his uh, it's weird. Like guys. Um, it's such a unique skill to possess. Like some guys affect the game by scoring and some guys affect the game defensively and some guys are great playmakers, but like they're, it's actually a rare group of guys who affect the game, like in a rebounding capacity. And I think Scotty is potentially one of those dudes. It's just like, even if he's not necessarily getting the rebound, he just creates like so much havoc on the glass, like with tipping the ball, uh, boxing guys out, just like generally climbing dudes backs and like getting elbows into people's ribs, all that kind of stuff that he is like a, hugely positive force for the Raptors offensive rebounding, which they need and they did tonight. And they also turned the Sixers over tonight. So this is what needed to happen. And they, I mean, they like, actually got it done. Like they say, they always say the next game in the playoff series is the most important. Um, and if you can win in game five in Philadelphia, I mean, that's three games in a row now where Toronto probably had the edge, right? Um, and then you're heading back to Toronto where, where the Raptors obviously are a lot more comfortable. Um, but, you know, I'm not looking past game five. I'm not. This isn't a disrespect thing for Philadelphia. I think overall macro perspective, they've been the better team versus Toronto in this series. But Toronto's starting to inch closer and closer and closer. So um, we'll see how it goes. I think, um, like Kyle said, 
you're probably going to need a big game, a very big game from either Gary or OG, or maybe even both um, in this game. I, I don't think it's fair to expect Pascal to just put up 35 every single game. Um, uh, I expect Pascal to have a good game, but we'll, we'll see. I just don't think it's it's fair to Pascal to just be like, all right, Fred's out, so it's all on you, my man. Um, we're going to need more. And, and the bench is also those guys that we mentioned before, Precious, Chris Boucher, Thad Young. They're going to have to play some some crucial minutes in this one, especially if Fred's out. So uh, we'll see. I'm predicting a win. Kyle's predicting a win. Aiden? Where do yeah, you W. Of course. But I think, and this is a good way to transition to the, this question by Menezes Marcelo, which is... My boy, what would, Marcelo. What would be the main offensive strategy for Game 5? And I think... I think we can anticipate Philadelphia adjusting to Pascal kind of cooking and there being a heavier presence in the lane and potentially like some, some doubles coming earlier. So to your point, Taha, like, or, and Kyle, we're going to need to have an OG game or a Gary game, or, you know, somebody's going to have to step up and, and, or precious for that matter. I was going to say for the precious game, we didn't even talk about him yet. Exploit those, you know, like, it's very easy to uh, Gary had one, which was incredible where he screened Pascal and rolled and the, the, the Pascal dumped it to him. And there wasn't a single moment of hesitation. He immediately ripped and got into the lane. And I think that's the kind of stuff that Toronto is going to need to do. It's gotta be crisp ball movement and sharp, uh, fast attacks because, um, Philadelphia is like a slower team laterally. They're they're a good team defense, like centered around Embiid. But I think we can exploit that if they start focusing more on Pascal than they otherwise have been. Um, and so one of those guys is going to have to be. Con- they all have to continue to be aggressive, but somebody's going to have to start scoring at a at a higher clip. Do you guys have any other thoughts on offensive strategies? Uh, to me. It- yeah, to me, I, I think the, the biggest key is just like being deliberate and hunting switches and mismatches and stuff. Yeah. Like that's that's your best bet. I, to, again, like we talked about the impact of Fred not being on the floor defensively is you get to play these long guys. I think, I, unfortunately, and I feel almost guilty saying this, I think another one of those is that like you don't have to deal with some of the, uh, I don't know, ego problems that Fred might propose, like, you know, provide sometimes. Like, it, it does seem that at times, like, if Fred takes possessions that he probably shouldn't be taking and over dudes who have mismatches. And maybe, uh, you know, maybe they work something out uh, this without Fred there or with Fred in a reduced capacity to actually get guys' touches in mismatches. I, I think that's really just, if you watch, all the playoffs, if you watch any playoff basketball over the last three years, it's really going, I think it it really started uh, probably those LeBron teams. I mean, it's existed in basketball forever, but those like LeBron Cleveland teams were the first that I remember like really aggressively hunting mismatches as like a primary offensive strategy. Um, this is how playoff basketball works. It's just like you are hunting people. If you watch the Utah series, Donovan Mitchell is being hunted. If you, Jokic is, is have being put in really difficult situations. Like if you watch any of these playoff basketball series, this is how playoff basketball works, and and good offenses work this way. I just want the Raptors to be one of them. I think they have the potential to be. We have a question from Jay Kennedy Carter, and this is something we didn't mention on the show yet, um, but it was probably the biggest Raptors news of the day, and that is Scotty Barnes being named officially uh, by the NBA Rookie of the Year. And goodness gracious, guys, this hug is amazing. Yeah, exactly. And was it a close race, guys? Uh, I don't know if you guys saw the voting. Maybe Don can 
uh, bring that up eventually for us. But the voting was super close. Evan Mobley was in second place, as most people expected. Kate Cunningham in third place. Um, and there was some pushback from NBA fans. I mean, Raptors fans, I don't... I, I don't want to say I don't understand the pushback because it kind of minimizes Evan Mobley a little bit, but Evan Mobley had a rookie of the year level season. Um, the voting results, as you guys can see, are uh, for our audio listeners. Scotty Barnes led the way with 48 first place votes. Uh, Evan Mobley was underneath him with 43 first place votes and Kate Cunningham had nine. Underneath them, Jalen Green, Franz Wagner, and for some odd reason, Herbert Jones. Herb Jones, baby. <laughs> yeah, for the New Orleans Pelicans. Um, were you guys shocked by how close the voting was? And what did you guys think overall of Scotty doing this? There's a very cool video uh, on, on Open Gym, a little Open Gym clip they posted as yeah, well. Yeah, uh, Yeah, man, he was crying. And it was um, it was very emotional. I'm sure it was emotional for some Raptors fans as well because Scotty Barnes has put in his all this season. 35 minutes a game. He was, I think, the sixth, no, the third, I think. Something like that. Third to sixth player ever to ever average 50, over 15, seven rebounds and three and a half assists. I think he's the third, if I'm not mistaken. I might, I might have that wrong, but um, fantastic season from Scotty Barnes and it is rewarded with a rookie of the year. Look what happens, guys, when Masai Ujiri gets the top five pick. Rookie of the year. Look what happens. What did you guys think about um, overall this Scotty announcement? I think it's well-deserved. I think both of them should have won. It should have been co-rookie of the year. Like, Mobley got kind of screwed over by his being injured and that being at like the, the latter part of the season as Scotty was emerging. Um, I think Scotty had a better overall year. Like defensively, he's not as uh, elite as Evan Mobley is, but he's a good defender and he does much more offensively of his own on his own accord than than Mobley does. And I think you have to factor in him playing substantial minutes on a winning team uh, as as part of that. And that's why Cade kind of faded and Cade had a tough start to the beginning of the year. But I, I mean, I think it's awesome. It's an awesome award and he deserves it. I just think like I don't really give a shit about that stuff. And so I think they both should have got it because they both played outstanding in a rookie class that is historically great. Like Herb Jones yeah. is going to be an incredible player. And then you like Trey Murphy is now playing like real minutes for New Orleans and he didn't really have a good year. Like there are probably 25 rookies in this class that are all going to be legitimate NBA players. Uh, and you can very rarely say that in any one draft year. So it's, it's a big, uh, it's a big honor for, for Scotty. Yeah. I, I think the biggest differentiator between him and Mobley is that, uh, you know, you really have to value an offensive initiator. Even if Scotty didn't necessarily get the opportunities to initiate a lot of offense this year, you, it's just like it's a skill level that that is, you know, arguably the most desired in the NBA. And I think maybe a little bit of his like projection, as in like, oh, Scotty is capable of doing this, although he didn't necessarily get the opportunity. But I think had he gotten the opportunity to, to really initiate the offense, um, he would have ran away with the award. So. I'd also like to thank Scotty for winning me odds on a 12 to 1 bet for him to win this year. Thanks, thanks, Scotty. Nice. Yeah, and you think it. he'll hear this? You um, think he's tuned in right now? I, I, you never know. Winning uh, an award I, of this uh, caliber, I'll just finish it off. Winning this award of this caliber is, is massive in a draft like this. We didn't even talk about the last draft was great as well, 2020 NBA draft. Um, we're seeing guys in their second years do massive, massive things. Uh, one of them in the series, Tyrese Maxey. 
um, Anthony Edwards in the Minnesota you know series. He's doing great things. Um, the last two NBA drafts have been absolutely incredible. Lamelo Ball for Charlotte. Um, there's so many guys. Halliburton. Now he went. Now he's on the Pacers. Um, uh, Sadiq Bay had I think like a 50 point game this year. Precious Achua, of course, on the Raptors. There's so many guys in the last two drafts who have been you know turned out to be incredible basketball players. So um, for Scotty to win this award in a loaded, an absolutely loaded draft is is huge. I think. Um, and again, speaks to the Raptors front office, um, how great they've been in drafting uh, players. Hell yeah. That lo- the, the Precious Achua, man, don't think, I think we've been talking pressure, about a pre- Precious Achua a lot. Um, but like our core is out is actually insane. If you think about it, like OG is 24, Precious is 23, Gary's 23, Pascal's only 27, Scotty, uh like you know we have a very young core so like when when people are trashing freddie and and pascal or or this team just generally for not being like like a championship material team it's like we are so young and like even pascal and freddie are really only at the beginning of their their peak as like 1a 1b players so we have to kind of like take a step back and realize how youthful this team really is and how much room there is to grow for everybody yeah. Um, before you guys leave us tonight, uh, we you know need you to like, comment, and subscribe if you're watching live or if you're watching this a little bit later. Uh, for our audio listeners, if you haven't subscribed to the Raptors Republic podcast channel, wherever you're watching it, subscribe there. We have tons and tons of content. The YouTube um, is also you know going crazy with posts as well. We have tons of video content. Um, so like, comment subscribe join our live chat Um, if you joined right at the end join us for monday night we're going to be here as well um and hopefully um you know a little longer than monday night as well this was the wrap up your official raptors republic post game live show where your toronto raptors defeated the philadelphia 76ers bringing the raptors to three and one down three one now in the playoff series heading back to philadelphia on monday this live show was produced by don yang that was it for your hosts sahal myself or sahal myself sahal abdi i should say <laughs> don yang uh don yang our producer of course kyle brickman our other host and aiden moss as well i don't even know i guess i'm maybe just too hype off of this uh playoff hell yeah take care guys have a good one <laughs>